Welcome to the School of Leadership HQ. Unscripted conversations with D. Hicks, that's me, and Donnie Kitigua, that's me, about tips, tools, and success stories of high-impact leaders across the country. Thanks for joining us. Well, this afternoon, we just finished uh, a long day of interviews, so I'm here with Donnie Kitigua. Say hi, Donnie. Half a day. Half a day. What is half a day? What is that? Folks who are listening don't know. That's uh, tomorrow first. So, hi, how are you? Hi, half a day. And and the tomorrow's say it partway through the day. Is that the idea? No, that would be half a day. Oh, same thing. You guys can hear this noise here in the background. I'm making a couple of cocktails for Donnie and I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you sound pretty excited for this. I love this part of the job. This happens a lot around here. <clears throat> so you probably all can't see this because uh, we don't have the camera set up. So I know you can't see this, but we have these coasters that I was given that are extremely cool. They are um, scratched <clears throat> LP albums uh, that were the centers of the albums were cut out and turned into coasters. Little cork on the backside of them, and then the uh, the front has the center of the album, the LP album. Some of you who don't have any clue what that is uh, probably should get out more. So the one I'm holding in my hand is uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, a rock opera. So that's the one that is going to go right here under Jesus Donnie's glass. Superstar. Do you know the rest of it? All of us who know that. Who in the hell do you oh, think I don't you think are. that's right. Oh, I don't I think don't that know. was it. I never saw it. I don't think that's right. And then, uh, so Donnie has that one. And I have... I have Sade, Diamond Life, Side 2. Wow, that's old. I know. Cherry Pie, Sally, I'll Be Your Friend. Does it have a date? A year? We lived together. 1985. Wow, that was way many years before Lover's Rock. Yep. So I'm pouring some gin right now for Donnie. This is, I'm sorry, I apologize. It's Tangeray. Apologize. What's your favorite gin? This is not it. I know that. My favorite is Uncle Val's Botanical Gin. What's so special about Uncle Val's Botanical Gin? It's got a hint of cucumber in it, and it's so smooth and refreshing. Just like that sound. Schweppes tonic water. Pour a little bit of that over the top of this. I apologize. We're here. Schweppes kind of sounds dirty. Schweppes. Does it? To me, it sounds like, uh, I don't know, like a... Schweppes. A lower digestive tract problem. He got the Schweppes. <laughs> Look at him. He runs like a Welshman. He got the Schweppes. So, so there you go, Donnie. There's your. Wow. <clears throat> um, I asked I, for a lime. Oh, I was starting to say. I apologize. I have no lime. I do have a green permanent marker, which would look like lime. And then I have here a bottle. It was a gift. You're going to mix Glenlivet with gin? No, I'm not having gin. I'm oh. doing just Glenlivet. Because you know what they say. Single malt scotch whiskey. Because you know what they say. Gin makes you sin. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Gin makes you sin. Not on this podcast, but it does at other times, I'm certain. <laughs> Anyways, you can't capture sin on radio or talk radio. Can you? Oh, sure. How? Yeah. It'd probably get a lot more listeners if you did. If you send on radio, no. If you if you captured it, I, it's just documenting it. There we go. Oh, I just poured a little really bit of the Glen Levitt uh, single malt. Must be strong because your ice cubes are melted already instantly. Right, they melt instantly. This is a fifteen-year-old. 
So here we have On the Rocks, uh, Glenn Levitt, 15 single malt and tangerine tonic. There's here you go. Salute. To salute. Laheim. Laheim. Oh, I always can't say that because I don't have phlegm in the back of my throat like right. you do. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> mm. Ooh. Yep, that's good stuff. Okay, so. so in the podcast world, I have been fascinated by how much people ramble on about things that are of no interest to anyone, except <laughs> that I find myself just listening and listening and listening. Part of it is in anticipation that they will eventually say something worthwhile. And part of it is it's just kind of fascinating to me that folks can ramble about nothing. So I don't want this to be that. You mean this is something that JT would be good at? Oh, he would. He would. No, he's he. I, although he can ramble, um, he's fascinating for me to listen to. I like this. I, I, I know. I'm I, just I, joking. Just joking. I like him. He's Have a you ever guy. seen his Facebook posts, though? They're really long, aren't they? They're really long. I'm surprised <laughs> Facebook hasn't come after him for, I don't know, charging him for any extra services. Extra space. He takes yeah. up a whole server or something like that. They don't. I. I is there? I think, a, is there a character Max? When you post, <laughs> I have no idea. We should ask him. He would know. Somebody needs to respond in the comment section. By the way, if we do post this on on uh, YouTube, the video side of this, I don't know if we will, but if we do post it on YouTube, there will be the comment section will be disabled. You'll be able to send us comments to our email address, but not in YouTube. Yeah, and before you even think about putting it on YouTube, you and I need to sit down and talk about royalties because. You're not royalty. I'm not, but I'm saying I'm going to get some royalties for this. Well, uh, sure, you can have 50%. (laughs) (laughs) For those who are really good at math, I could could double that 50% that he could get. That 50% of the profits off of a podcast. You can't make money off podcasts unless you're somebody like Gary V. Remember, there are three kinds of people. That's right. Those that are good at math. And those that are not. <laughs> I don't tell jokes, but I that, that's the only joke I know. I tell that one over and over and over. No, you tell jokes, but you're like, you're like JT. I'm like, hurry up and get to the punchline. I can't remember the jokes. That's the problem. I think people are funny. I think people say things and do things that I like to point out, and I think that's funny. But a well-constructed joke like a stand-up comedian, I respect that so much. I just don't know how to do it at all. So what did we do today? We had, uh, uh, this was a long a long and an enjoyable day. What did we do today? We interviewed a few candidates for a job in Spokane. Mm-hmm. Should I say what? Um, you can say the type of job. Let's not say A communications who. type person. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Ay, Jesus Maria, so you, nobody's gonna know what that uh, meant. What he just said, unless they're I, they're listening and they're tomorrow. That's right. Well, uh, some of our Filipino friends understand. Oh, some, say. some of the Spanish, some of our Spanish friends. Yeah. So I, in other words, a third of the entire planet will understand exactly what I'm saying. I, since I am Russian, chim- I am tomorrow. Russian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I am. So talk talk a little bit about your process, the process you go through to find people. Because part of what we do uh, is we do recruitment for uh, for some of our 
our clients that we know really, really well. We don't uh, we don't do normal head hunting and just like generic head hunting where you can <clears throat> where if we don't know you, we're going to go out and do head hunting for you. But if we know your organization really well and know the culture and what you're trying to achieve and maybe have come alongside for a few years to try to help support what you're trying to accomplish, which has been fun for us, then from time to time it actually happens a lot. So it's not from time to time; it's a lot. We get well, a chance for you, to it's uh, time to time, but for me it's a lot. That's true. We get a chance to do some recruitment and Donnie talk about that recruitment process well um, like you said we don't really just we're not the typical recruiting firm or headhunters we only do recruitment for organizations that we've established relationships with um, where we know the culture we know how things work around the place and so it gives us a little bit of a advantage when we, you know, because they might have all the qualifications needed for the job, but they might not have that fit that we're looking for. And that's very, very crucial in making sure that we place the right person in the right job, especially in a, in a high, full, high impact, very um, fast paced environment. Yeah. Because some people freak and they freeze under pressure like that. So um, knowing the organization and then having an idea of that person uh, really, really helps. And so we don't just start off with calling people in to do interviews face-to-face. I start off with looking through the hundreds and hundreds of resumes and cover letters just to, to vet out those that don't qualify or don't meet the minimum requirements. So that, that takes a long time right there, especially when you're talking about two or 300 applications and cover letters. So once I uh, narrow it down to a handful, you know, I mean, I I guess I shouldn't say a handful. It just depends on how many good candidates or how many meet that minimum requirement. And you'd be surprised how many people would actually apply for a job that have never experienced or or they don't have the experience to do the job, but they apply. And you, you could just tell, you could just tell that they put together things real quickly, like their, um, their cover letter is the same paragraph um, that they use at the beginning of their resume. So there's not a lot of thought that goes into it. And you can tell those that are really, really interested in the position because a lot of the stuff that they put together are directly related to the job. So you can tell they're really trying to sell themselves. So one of the first things I do is schedule introductory phone interviews. And I usually schedule like a half hour to talk to them, but I usually can tell within the first five minutes whether or not that interview is going to continue on for 30 minutes. And I don't know if it's just a gift of knowing who's going to fit or who's not going to fit, Yeah. but I, I just, it just comes natural to me that I know what I, I have to end the interview because so I, you been... just, just don't, you, you don't, you don't get that good feeling. And so you're like, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. So, so you've been really good at this for uh, for a long time. And in fact, you told me you were really good at this. The very first recruitment you did years ago, we've been working together for years. <clears throat> and the first recruitment you did years ago, I remember you saying to me, "I'm really, really good at this." And of course, I didn't believe you, um, <laughs> because folks who say things like, "You know, I can I can figure people out in a second. I can read people like a book." You know, that's just full of shit. But but you have uh, an ability, and it com- uh, you have an ability to figure out whether or not a person is going to fit in an organization. 
that is exceptional. You're really, really good at that. And you can tell uh, in just a few minutes of a phone call whether or not they're going to fit in an organization, which is the really big deal, of course, whether or not somebody has the skills needed uh, that they're going to need to be able to demonstrate within a specific job is, of course, important. Very, very important. But that's usually not why people don't make it uh, in an organization. They don't make it in a job, not because they didn't have the skills, but because they didn't have that fit in the organization. You've got a really good ability to figure that stuff out. Um, and, and I'm trying to ask a question here. And the question is, how do you how do you do that? What do you look for? Now, I know it's portable from one organization to another. To fit in one of our companies is different than to fit in one of the organizations that we support or the recruitment that you're doing right now for that uh, for that entity over in Spokane, for example. It's different from one to another. But is there anything that is, is that relates to almost every position you're looking for? When you look for somebody to see if they're going to fit, um, what are some things you look for? I don't know. It goes, it goes back to just I get that. I just have a way of knowing or getting I get a vibe or I get this um, positive I get this positive positive energy um, I can tell when somebody's bullshitting I don't know why but I could tell that they're not being genuine and when they're when I'm asking an easy question and you fabricate it and it's so obvious that you're fabricating it just to make you sound good or look good I I don't know I just I just I just know when that happens and so um, like I said if they they have all the minimum requirements needed for the job this 10 10 15 minute phone call with them I can tell and and you've seen my you've seen the results of my recruitments and the people that we put in through that we put through, um, you're like it's either hell yes or hell no. Not everybody has that that skill to be able to weed people out like that. But I think it might be my my strongest strength in strength finders is empathy. That is, we should insert crowd laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can figure out how to edit that in yeah. so that it's crowd laughter yeah. everywhere. But I think that that's part of the, the, the skill that I have to really know if somebody's being genuine. And I can feel, I can tell by looking at them in the eyes or just hearing their voice if they're being honest or if they're not. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's not anything that I specifically look for. It's just something that I have internally in my vetting system that can tell me whether or not this person's good or not. So you go through a process where, where we together, um, with some other, <clears throat> with some help from other folks in our companies, um, figure out the core competencies that folks need in a job. And a competency is different than a skill. Um, curiosity, for example, is a competency, and and uh, uh, reading is a skill. Um, Velocity of work is a competency. It shows up everywhere. Uh, how quickly someone gets to something and gets it done, how much energy they bring to anything they do. We call that velocity of work. And so that's a competency. And a skill is time management or being able to use a calendar or being able to use a, an A1 system or something like that. That's a skill. So we step in and we do competencies and we say what kind of competencies are we looking for in someone we're hiring or in someone in one of the organizations we support 
are hiring. And then we go beyond that and we say something that we find interesting that folks miss a lot is is uh, <clears throat> we say it's not just a job, but it's a job with some people. And what I mean by that is if if uh, if I were to hire somebody to do a, let's say we were to do a media relations job in one of our companies and that that, that person were to respond uh, to uh, report to me, for example, I would be their supervisor. So let's imagine this person was working for me or they were working with me and I was their supervisor. So the job, let's say it's a communications or media relations person and and there's the, the media relations job, but then that's only part of the job. The biggest part of the job is it's a media relations job with me. This is what a lot of folks in organizations forget. It's not a standalone job. It's a it's a job with someone else. And that relationship with the people on the other side of the job is key to that person's effectiveness or success. So let's say there's a CEO or a director of an organization. Let's call him Biff. And that we don't just hire somebody to be a an accountant or a CPA, not a CPA, but a CFO, for example, chief financial officer. It's not just be a chief financial officer, but it's a chief financial officer with Biff, the CEO. So uh, that point is is something that is often lost. The assumption being that that the person the person with whom you work is going to be able to adjust many of their lifelong styles, habits, and patterns and skills to be able to work with that new employee. That just is not a very valid assumption. So when you talk, talk to us a little bit about how when you look for someone to fit in a job, how you go about figuring out if they fit with their supervisor, whomever that supervisor is. Part of it, like I said, is knowing the organization. And the people that we are providing the recruitment service for, we are familiar with. We know, we kind of know their work ethic. We know their work um, uh, culture. And believe it or not, I vicariously imagine what that person would be like working next to whoever we're doing the service for. Okay. And knowing, knowing that, let's say, for example, somebody that has a lot of, uh, a lot of energy and is very positive and has a very great sense of humor somebody coming in that has all the skills needed for the job but can't even crack a joke or um, takes things serious i think about how that is going to affect their relationship their work relationship and i know that it's not going to work so that person probably won't move forward does that make sense it makes a lot of sense so today we were working with um some of our friends in eastern Washington in the city of Spokane and uh, uh, setting up a, a new position. It's a recruitment for a new position, a brand new position. There. Brand so new. They're, they're not picking up where someone else left off. They're going to create something from It's scratch. a brand new position, but it's not a brand new job. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, it's a brand new job and position for this organization, but this job in particular is 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 a common job. Okay, other other organizations have done this job before. Right. So we right. know what a good job looks like from other organizations. Right. So a, as you're looking at the two significant leaders in that organization that this person will be working with, 
what do you think this person needs? Just so I can kind of see inside of your head. How do you think about that? What is the new, what is the successful candidate need in order to be able to work in this position? Mm. This person has to be able to do things with very little guidance, minimal supervision, a self-starter, pretty much on their own. And they have to be able to, I mean, if they're a people person, um, this might come across as um, a, a difficult job because they don't. nobody really reports to this person. This position reports directly to the two leaders of the uh, organization we're talking about. But so if there's, if there's an individual that really, really energizes himself or herself off of being around a bunch of people or working with a bunch of people, they might be in for a little bit of a surprise. Uh, maybe at first they're going to be interacting with a lot of people because they have to learn the organization. Right. But after a while, it's they're on their own and they're going to be calling the shots on where to go, where to be to to get information out as quickly as possible, correct information out as quickly as possible. And, and you know, and they have to have a little bit of a sense of humor, I think. So talk about that a little bit. Um, we found that <clears throat> that a person's sense of humor is an incredibly important um, forecaster of whether or not they're going to be able to manage pressure and stress and difficulty. Um, what do you look for in almost any position? And we, we don't usually recruit for any positions that are not middle and upper level positions in an organization. They're right. rarely, we'll occasionally recruit for supervisory positions, but right. those are usually large scope supervisors. So maybe it's in most situations, it would be like vice president level or president level situation. Right. And then the titles are different in every, every right. organization. But so, so sense of humor is a really big deal to you and I. And, um, how do you, how do you think about that when you're interviewing somebody, when you're recruiting somebody for a position how do you think about their humor? Well, that's our first indicator if we're on the same page in regards to values. If if I say something to somebody that I've never met and I'm I'm meaning it to be funny and they laugh along with me, I can probably guarantee you that they are on the same page as me. They have the same values. So that's a good thing, right? But if you if you if you tell something funny to somebody and they just don't laugh because they don't think it's funny, <laughs> then that's a whole different ball game. That's a whole different ball game. Here's a good way to find out. Walk into a room and just say two words and see how see do people laugh or do they <laughs> scream or do they cry or or do they pull out a weapon? Uh, here are the two words that currently I don't know when you're going to listen to this podcast, but in our current zone right now, which is about 2018, um, here are the two words you can say that will dis you'll discover quickly whether or not a person's values match yours. You know what those two words are? And one of them is Donald Trump. <laughs> these are the two words. Even, oh. even as I said these two words to you, those of you who are listening, you know you had a reaction. <laughs> I happen to think that uh, he's incredibly funny. What else are we going to do, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to come up with the word like moist. Oh, yeah. Okay, that would okay. work too. Yeah. Uh, what would be another word besides moist? I don't know. What are great value bombs you can throw into the middle of a crowd? Words or phrases that are value bombs to find out. Do people laugh with you or do they think you're an alien life form? Oh, I don't know. I threw one out there. Yeah, you come up with one. Dry rub? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a dear friend who literally cannot stand these we'll call two her, words. We'll call her Marietta. Let's call her Marietta. Let's make up a last name. Flores. Marietta Flores. Okay. <laughs> have you got her pictured? Yes. I hope you've got her pictured if you're listening, because whatever you're picturing with her, that's exactly what she looks she's like. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Dark hair, beautiful skin, beautiful eyes, and, and she's she is hilarious. Hilarious. Let's call her Marietta Flores. Yes. This is not her name. But if you address a package to her, <laughs> it will get to her. And her name, all you have to do is write Marietta Flores, drop in the mail, and it'll make it'll it to her. To her. I don't know how her. it happened, but it does. So every time we see her now, call her Marietta. She cannot stand the word moist, and she cannot stand the words dry rub. <laughs> I think dry rub is a spice. I think it's a way to put spice on meat. She thinks apparently it's something else. Did you hear that noise? That Hear that? Yeah, oh, hear that, that noise. That's that's interesting. These, these are amazing microphones. These are Shure SM58 microphones, and we're using the Zoom H6 recorder. It's also being processed on Audacity as the sound system <clears throat> that we use to process this thing uh, once it hits the computer. But that noise right there is the, uh, the studio desktop, and I just barely touched it with my knuckle, and it picks up this. Uh, I, can, I can filter this out, and I might do it later, but I think it's fascinating. These microphones are so amazing that I can, I can set out the low level. I can cut out the low level so that this won't, come, it won't show up, but I'll leave it in for this part just because it's fun, but it picks up the subtle. See that? Hear that? Donnie just put down his drink. And, I'm, just, and, I'm just fascinated that you just took us I'll, we'll come uh, back to Marietta Flores and humor as a detector of values okay. in a second. Because, but I think this is interesting because I'd rather not do the hard work of editing all of those noises out. I'd rather just explain them and leave it in. Maybe that's how it works. So there's we have these microphones, uh, Shure SM58s that are attached to our Zoom um, H6, and then it's being processed, of course, through Audacity. That's how that all works, and so that's how it gets to you, and it's going to show up on Spotify and iTunes and all the other places where your favorite podcasts show up. But when this happens, wow, these are so, wasn't that good? These yeah. these are so so sensitive and so high tech that 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 it's picking up the vibration through the arm that's holding our microphones up, and I think it's just so cool. Sensitive, I just huh? really like it. I'm not sensitive. So from a like that. doctor's point of view. <clears throat> Yep, Sensitive. I'm not that kind of doctor. Yeah, I'm not that kind of doctor. I'll, uh, I am another kind of doctor, but not that. No, I'm not, as one of the people, one of our dear friends loves to call me, I'm not the corporate proctologist, as she likes to say. So Marietta Flores, yes. we're back to her and values. Yes. When we first met her, she, of course, hates to be hugged, so we hug her all the time. And <laughs> she does not like the word moist and does not like the word dry rub or the words dry rub. They are just creepy to her. And... Since she doesn't like them, of course, we say them all well, the time. Okay, let me let's back up a little bit because the way you say dry rub, there's a comedian out there. In fact, Jonathan was telling me about it. You can um, it, you can use one word, and by changing your tone of voice, can make it sound totally. <laughs> you dirty. really can't. And also, if I look at you over the top of my glasses and I rub my stomach when I say it, <laughs> dry rub. See, that's different. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, Marietta. Marietta Flores. We like her a lot, but you find out that 
you find out what people's values are with little word bombs you can throw in. So we have in one of our companies, we have a motorcycle company, as hopefully you know by now, rmco.us. That's the place you can go look at that, rmco.us. How's that for a plug? Another Rottweiler one. Motorcycle Company. It's a company that I started with my sons. Uh, years ago, and uh, and right on the heels of starting the company, then Donnie's son, Drew, joined us as well. So it's now Drew and Jonathan and a whole bunch of other folks that are running this thing. Anyway, we have a, uh, a hat, a baseball hat. It's bright red, just like Donald Trump's baseball hat that says, Make America Great Again. And this one says, Make Sportsters Great Again. And a sportster, if you don't know, is a model of motorcycle very popular harley davidson model of motorcycle we take them and customize them on a regular basis they're one of our favorite motorcycles to ride and to customize so make sportsters great again and i wore one of those a while back through a crowd and uh, you can tell the detail oriented people because they would react and then they'd read it and then they would smile and then you could see the non-detail oriented people who would react like yeah or i'm gonna choke you um, <laughs> because they thought i was wearing a donald trump hat and i told you i voted later. for you i wrote your name in you did i thought so there were i got 38 votes by the way you did so by the popular the popular vote i got 38 I won the popular vote. So among what, those thirty-eight. People. Okay, so what did that convert to an electoral vote? In the electoral college, uh -huh. I was taken to prison for <laughs> just a brief period <laughs> of time. At thirty-eight. At thirty-eight, right? That's true. So, so we're talking about value statements, and one of the things when we, uh, one of the things when we recruit people is is we want to make sure that we have values that are lined up with the organization. And values, simply put, are are, are kind of like our engines. They are what drive us. Mm -hmm. uh, they're our sense of value, what's right and wrong. They're what matters, what really, really matters to us. And uh, you can figure out a person's values if they were to say, for example, if someone were to say, uh, money is a, is a value of mine. Uh, you'd say, well, if you had money, then what? And then they'd say, well, then I'd be, I'd be secure. So actually security then is their value. Or maybe they would say, well, then I'd be able to travel anywhere and do anything I want and have great adventures. And then you'd say, well, money is not your value. Then adventure is your value. So when you get right down to the bottom of it all, what are the few things in life that really, really matter to you? And if you are working in a job where the few things in life that matter to you are continually threatened by the few things in life that matter to the organization, then you'll never do well in that job. You've got to get out and got to move around. So that's part of the art that you practice, Donnie, the magic that you practice in trying to find the right people for the right job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that record. Yeah. I am. Yeah, we've had, uh, we've lost track of how many people that we have placed in organizations. There's only been a couple who have flamed out quickly. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, life, you know, you, you, there are a lot of unexpected things that happen in people's lives. And I, you know, I'd have to say that if anybody that we had selected or recruited recommended for a job and were the right fit, the only reason why they had to leave or didn't accept the job is because of a family crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not happened because a few times. they flaked out or um, they got on the job and they were totally a different person than they, you know, they made us believe they were. But yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good track record. That mm -hmm. if people did not take a job, it's because of a, you know, a higher priority, which yeah. is family, which is totally understandable. Sure. 
we build relationships with the people that we recruit and eventually place in organizations as well and uh, keep track of them and consider them actually our friends. Some of them as careers have developed and shifted and changed. Uh, we've been able to follow them as they move on to different jobs or organizations or different chapters in their career years later. And uh, it's been very, very rewarding. And part of that part of that relationship, though, is, you know, when do you find people to to go and work with them? You know, they're working with them directly day in and day out. So it does become personal mm -hmm. um, after, you know, over time it becomes personal, especially if we found somebody that wasn't good. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's like a, almost a personal, almost a personal attack on them. And like, why did you do that? Yeah. I think I remember saying that to you. You recommended me for a job. Oh and, yeah, um, years ago. Sorry about that. Um, it actually turned out really good, though. This did. was years ago before you came to work with me. Yeah, but do you remember my words to you after two weeks of being there? Called you up and I said, "What <laughs> the hell did you get me into?" Yeah, and you laugh at it. And I'm you because know, I didn't experience. It, I got to watch it at a distance, and it's like it's yeah, like I got my popcorn out and got to watch you suffer for Jesus there for a little. <laughs> but bit But apparently, of time. you did not know. No, I did not the values of that particular person. Oh, his values, uh, his values were on, on, on spot, on target, mm -hmm. except that he just didn't have the skill that he needed to be able to manage and work well with someone of your caliber. Uh, that was very nice. Wasn't that nice? That was yeah, very yeah. Nice. He thought he was getting a, I don't know, is, what's the word, lackey? Is that a word we still use? What's is that, that? That's what's a, a lackey. Yeah, well, look it up. No, you look it w up. W don't hold your lackey, nose up to me. Lackey.com, look it up. So you can find it. Uh, also look for taskrabbit.com. Same thing. And you can find out. It's someone who will just run a bunch of errands for you. It's someone who's just kind of your indentured servant. And then he came to find out that if this is somebody who uh, you actually don't bark. You bite. <laughs> you know what? So the guy you worked for, let's call him, let's call him Tim. Because okay. that's his name. Because that's his name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we really like this guy. Oh, I do. Yeah. And you know what? He He's laughs at that because I told him that. I've told him this story. That he was a pain in the ass to work no, with? No, that I had called you up. Oh, yeah. And said, and what, said what the, the hell? <laughs> what the hell did you get me into? He knows. You know, he knows. Oh, well, I don't true. work for him anymore, so I can say whatever I want. Yeah. Oh, Tim. Yeah. We like. I really yeah. like the guy. No, Very visionary, too. but uh, he didn't know how to handle the Donnie. The Don. <laughs> Donald Trump. He didn't know how to handle uh, you, but he learned. He learned really well. And then you moved on from that position to work with someone who, let's call her Debbie. Debbie. Because that's her name. She was classy. Yeah. She's still alive. I mean, it's not I like, mean, it's not like, yeah. say. I should dead. say, I should say she is classy. She is classy. She is very classy. Yeah, I miss her. Funny. Talk about good sense. I humor. miss her a lot. She's a wonderful but person. But you know, remember and when she I. She knew what to do with the Donnie. She did. For example, she treated me kindly. There was a frustrating event, and you were going to go handle the event, <laughs> which would not have been a politically correct thing to do, nor would you have done it in a gentle way. So her, you said you know, to her, do you want me to go talk to her? And I said, do you want me to go talk to her? I can handle it. <laughs> and she says, no, Donnie, I'll take care of it. She but, put her hand up. Here's the deal. She put her hand up in the air like, stop. No, Donnie. No, Donnie. I will take care of it. But I had done the same thing to Tim. Do you want me to go take care of it, Tim? And he jumped out of his chair and said, no, no barred the door. I will take care of it. Exactly. Yeah. So 
That's right. The uh, congressional scheduler. I remember the story well. I was a congressional scheduler. And you said, well, <laughs> schedule this, dear. <laughs> there was a gesture of some oh, sort. But it's amazing you didn't get fired from that job. But what? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Your first day on the job, remember? Remember Donnie's landing? Remember that No, one? that was like my first uh, commission meeting. I had been there for a week. And okay, close enough. Close enough to your yeah, first day on the job. To the first you day. get the point. You're new on the job. I'm you know, I said job. first day. Yeah. I'm I, new oh, on the job. did you guys hear that background noise? Yeah. Ooh, that was fun. And that was one of our motorcycles returning from a video shoot. So, anyway, go back, tell the story about Donnie's Landing. So, like I said, I was. it was my first commission meeting. This is when I was going to meet the commission. I was going to be introduced to the commissioners as, as Tim's new. Uh, right-hand man. This is a public organization that right. has a group of elected of officials called commissioners that are over the top, but it's right. a massive, massive organization. So Go I, ahead, see if you I, can figure it out. So I come into work, and um, I'm dressed in a suit. Normally, you don't show up dressed. No, I'm dressed in a suit. I'm not, oh, in, a, right. I'm not in just in slacks and a dress shirt. I'm in a suit with a nice shirt, a nice tie. I'm just, I'm, I'm on point. Round two. Because that's how I do it. Um, Nice. So two. I um I was walking into to the work and I had my employee handbook, which was the size of you know the novel uh, War and Peace. And of course, every day I stopped at Starbucks and I had to have my I had to have, at that time my white mocha. I'm walking up the stairs carrying um, my big old employee handbook and my latte and i get to the <laughs> middle it was uh, two flights of steps and it made an l turn and i got open to the, so it's in an atrium it's, it's open an, it's you, an, yeah, everyone can see this you, you it, every noise echoes in that atrium so i i'm up and i get to the middle part of the landing and i miss the top step to the landing and i fall to my <laughs> knees and I lose control, grasped onto the coffee cup, which popped the top of the coffee cup. Oh, sweet off. baby Jesus, this is funny. And it splattered all over the <laughs> plexiglass. So the rails are made out of plexiglass. You trip, squeeze this thing, and it goes boom. And then I said, shit, shit, echo, echo, echo. Echoed, echoed, echoed throughout the atrium. So then I get There's up. There's the new guy. Yeah, I'm the new guy still. I get up to my desk, and my coworker Laura, she says to me, "Was that you?" <laughs> and I had coffee, all that ricocheted off the plexiglass onto my white, perfectly ironed dre dress shirt. So I had coffee stains all over my shirt, and Laura says to me, "Was that you?" Was I that said, you? Yes. And she says, "That didn't sound like you." I said. Well, this is what I sound like when I'm normal. This is what I sound like when I <laughs> drop coffee all over myself. It was a high pitch, almost like an animal being run over or something, the noise you made, I'm certain. And so I'm thinking, I cannot go to the commission meeting with this coffee-stained shirt. Yes. And I'm thinking, I have, this is a good decision. I have to drive all the way home. 45 Burlington. minutes away from well, no, where you lived. At that time, the, two, the second bridge wasn't up. 47 minutes away. No, it'd be an hour. Okay, close enough. And a half. One way. Yeah. So uh, Laura came to my rescue, and she had a couple packs of 
um, shout it out. Shout it out. And I went to the bathroom. What is that? What's shout it's, it's, out? I, it's kind of like the Tide wipe stain remover. Oh, okay. So I go to the men's room, and I'm in the men's room. Shouting it out. Shouting it out. Yeah. And thankfully, it got it all out. Right. And my shirt was wet, but by the time I got to the meeting, my shirt was white, except for underneath my tie. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't worry about what was underneath my tie because nobody would see it, right? So I could take care of that later and bleach it later, but... Yeah, that was... So there was a coffee stain all over the landing there. There's the coffee stain, and I think it's still there, actually, after all You can't shampoo that out for some reason. It stained that carpet big time. It looked like a murder scene. Yeah, and it's on teal teal carpet, so it made it look like blood. It's disgusting. And so it's still there, and and they nicknamed that landing Donnie's Landing. Donnie's Landing. Donnie's Landing. What a great way to go. We were meeting with a group of our CEOs down in Las Vegas. It was very fun, a very enjoyable meeting, uh, three or four days long. And one of the nights we went out to a, uh, or just a, an uber fancy dinner place, which uh, uh, you just... Where were we at? In Las Vegas. So, yeah. And I don't remember the restaurant, but we walked from our from our meeting space to this, and I was wearing a brand new shirt that was just fit perfect it's custom made shirt and uh it fit perfectly just like i just was feeling great so it's it's kind of a teal and white i can hear you crunching your ice in that microphone these are good microphones you guys you guys hear that that's like i mean real podcasters would edit all that stuff out so well we're not real podcasters it's true so i'm wearing this beautiful shirt it's teal and it's white and um checks small checks and fits absolutely perfectly and then i had uh some khaki pants that were that were also custom made perfect we're sitting down at dinner and just 12 13 of us all sitting around this big dinner table one of my friends sitting to the right um he's a guy who uh uh, the CEO of a bunch of um, uh, auto dealerships and uh, and had just sold them, so he was really animated about the, the sale of these, and now he was on to a new adventure in his life. So I was describing this new adventure. So what should we call him? Let's give him a name. Let's call him Eric, because that's his name. Love this guy. Okay, And he bought some super expensive... Um, wine uh i don't know what it was 280 dollars a bottle or something like that for this red wine and it was about as red as red wine can get are you going with me you can you can now tell what's happening i've now he's sitting to my right i've now turned slightly to my left to uh to talk with our friend who we'll call john because and uh i'm I'm in this conversation with john eric over here is just gesturing wildly as he's talking with someone across the table and has just poured some of this 280 dollar wine into his big (laughs) beautiful red wine glass gestures knocks the wine over and it spills i don't know how it happened the laws of physics were somehow bent right there and it spilled and went and spilled all over me right all over my chest all over my legs all over down into my socks it looked as though um that someone had been murdered on my lap and uh, they had left all of the blood all over me. And it was <laughs> hilarious, actually. The funniest part of this was Eric's reaction to the spilling of the wine. <clears throat> he was so mortified that he had done it. Just so sick. His face turned gray. He was physically ill. Not because he had just blown you know, $100 worth of wine all over me, but because he had spilled it over and ruined my clothes. It was... 
it was absolutely hilarious. This is a wonderful man. He was so he felt so awful about it. He tried to figure out where I'd had the clothes made so he could so he could replace them and I wouldn't tell him and Donnie wouldn't tell him. It's just an accident, no big deal. So went back up to the hotel room to change because we were going out after dinner to another location for cigars and some other um, libations of sort. <laughs> went up, changed my clothes, put them in the bathtub and uh, turned a bunch of cold water on them. Apparently, that's what you're supposed to do to get red wine out and uh, dump salt on them or something like that. Didn't have any salt, so I just threw them threw them in the bathtub in cold water and just left them there to soak. Uh, well, there's also a turndown service. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know what that is. So, uh, okay, turndown service. Do you know how this is? A, t- a turndown service is not when someone asks you on a date and, you, and they say no. <laughs> turndown service. <laughs> That's not a turn-on. No, if you were someone else, yes. No, you're kind of creeping me out. Because you don't have abs that look like that. Get away from me. So this is what you we call long. a turn-down. This is a turn-down. I have a whole turn-down service for you. Uh, you could hire people to come and turn other people down for you. Well, let me... Let me hand you off to my turndown service. <laughs> and really all they do is listen to you and then they say, I'm not just no, but hell no. That's, a, that's an extra fee. And if they explain why you've been turned down, that's yet another fee on top of that. It's the deluxe turndown service where they say something like, you know, it's not me. It's you. We got the point. Can Did you get the point? Can you go on with the story? I think we could go somewhere with this, the turndown yeah, service. Let's get back to the And I really think let's start a whole new business. Let's add this business to our portfolios. We'll call it It's Not Me, right? <laughs> it's you. So the turndown service comes into the room and sees this, <laughs> these clothes laid out in the bathtub. And the bright red wine that's that's now colored all of the water, and uh, and it's Las Vegas, so <laughs> I'm certain that uh, Rosarita or whatever her name was that came in with the turndown service. Rosarita, <laughs> she probably ran. Ay, Susmino say ran down the hallway or something like that. There's some murder in there. What is happening? <laughs> These people from Seattle—they're murdering people in their clothing. <laughs> okay. We're back. <laughs> well, we have we have had some fun chatting today. Really, um, this whole thing was supposed to be about recruitment and uh, what we look for when we try to get somebody to fit in an organization. And uh, <clears throat> I'm only one and a half uh, Glenn Livitz into this, and so uh, what we've been trying to trying to communicate or what we've learned and you can toss this out if it doesn't help you is that when we look for someone to fit an organization or if you are a hiring authority somebody who's looking to hire somebody to fit it's not just the job it's the job with you and uh, you need to be a bit selfish about that and we find that uh, sometimes that ceos leaders directors executives are not selfish and yet they and and that's good that's a good quality but when it comes to hiring someone you need to be a little bit selfish about this meaning that you need to be um you need to think about how that person will fit with you that's a big part of the job uh, separate the idea of competencies from the idea of skills hire for competency and uh, train for skills and uh, that's a pretty important pretty important perspective to have and then um it's it's really good to involve somebody uh kind of outside of your world a little bit you don't have to hire somebody to do it it just can be someone who knows you really really well you could go ahead and hire somebody as long as they know you well and they have your best interest at heart 
Or you can just do it yourself. Make sure that it's somebody kind of outside of your bubble, but who knows, who looks at the inside of your bubble. They can, they can see inside of your world. And if you get somebody from the outside of your bubble who can help with, uh, with hiring and then go with their impressions as well, or certainly factor them in, uh, then you're probably going to do well when it comes to hiring, especially for high-impact positions. If it's a position where really you're asking a person to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over, there's no innovation, there's almost no pressure, there aren't many, very many of those jobs available anymore. But if you do have somebody in one of those kind of repetitive positions, then you hire for skill. Uh, but if it's a position that has any sort of change to it, any innovation, any improvement, um, any complexity to it at all, then hire for competency and train for skill. If they got both, great. That is a wonderful way to go. And yeah, remember, you can always call me up or send me an email to donnie at dhicks.com, and I'll be more than happy to help you find yep. the right person. Donnie at dhicks.com, D-O-N-N-I-E, at dhicks. That's my last name. That's my first and last name. That's D-E-H-I-C-K-S.com. You can also find our podcast there at dhicks.com as well. All right, so, hey, hope your day goes great, and enjoy this. Uh, uh, click like if you like it. Share it with people if it's worthwhile and a lot of fun. And if you have any comments, keep them to yourself. <laughs> okay, peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to HQ from the School of Leadership. For more, check out dhicks.com. That's D-E-H-I-C-K-S.com where you'll find other podcasts, resources, and books to help you on your way. Have a great day.